It's February 9th. Welcome to the One Year Bible Tour, as together we travel through the entire Bible in a year, making stops each day to take in important details in the Old Testament, New Testament, the Book of Psalms, and the Book of Proverbs. My name is David McAdam, and I serve as pastor and Bible teacher here at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts. It's a privilege to encourage you in the habit of daily Bible reading and to have you hearing the Scriptures and reading the Scriptures on a daily basis. I want to remind you that you can subscribe to a daily email that contains a written copy of our Bible commentary with photos, maps, illustrations by going to our main website, www.newlife.org. That's one word, newlife, N-E-W-L-I-F-E dot org. And these materials are all free. Yesterday we saw how the role of our high priest, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, is prefigured in the Old Testament high priest, Aaron, and how his garments speak of the glorious features of his ministry. Today we will look at his ordination ceremony and that of his sons. We begin our Old Testament reading with Exodus chapter 29. Now this is what you shall do to them to consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests. Take one bull from the herd, and two rams without blemish, and unleavened bread, unleavened cakes mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers smeared with oil. You shall make them of fine wheat flour. You shall put them in one basket, and bring them in the basket, and bring the bull and the two rams. You shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting, and wash them with water. You shall take the garments, and put on Aaron the coat, and the robe of the ephod, and the ephod and the breastpiece, and gird him with the skillfully woven band of the ephod. And you shall set the turban on his head, and put the holy crown on his turban. You shall take the anointing oil, and pour it on his head, and anoint him. Then you shall bring his sons, and put coats on them, and you shall gird Aaron and his sons with sashes, and bind caps on them, and the priesthood shall be theirs by a statute for ever. Thus you shall ordain Aaron and his sons. Then you shall bring the bull before the tent of meeting. Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on the head of the bull. Then you shall kill the bull before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and shall take part of the blood of the bull, and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger, and the rest of the blood you shall pour out at the base of the altar. And you shall take all the fat that covers the entrails, and the long lobe of the liver, and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them, and burn them on the altar. But the flesh of the bull and its skin and its dung you shall burn with fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. Then you shall take one of the rams, and Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on the head of the ram, and you shall kill the ram, and shall take its blood and throw it against the sides of the altar. Then you shall cut the ram into pieces, and wash its entrails and its legs, and put them with its pieces and its head, and burn the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. You shall take the other ram, and Aaron and his son shall lay their hands on the head of the ram, and you shall kill the ram, and take part of its blood, and put it on the tip of the right ear of Aaron, 
and on the tips of the right ears of his sons, and on the thumbs of their right hands, and on the great toes of their right feet, and throw the rest of the blood against the sides of the altar. Then you shall take part of the blood that is on the altar, and of the anointing oil, and sprinkle it on Aaron and his garments, and on his sons and his sons' garments with him. He and his garments shall be holy, and his sons and his sons' garments with him. You shall also take the fat from the ram, and the fat tail, and the fat that covers the entrails, and the long lobe of the liver, and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them, and the right thigh, for it is a ram of ordination, and one loaf of bread, and one cake of bread made with oil, and one wafer out of the basket of unleavened bread that is before the Lord. You shall put all of these on the palms of Aaron and on the palms of his sons, and wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. Then you shall take them from their hands and burn them on the altar on top of the burnt offering as a pleasing aroma before the Lord. It is a food offering to the Lord. You shall take the breast of the ram of Aaron's ordination and wave it for a wave offering before the Lord, and it shall be your portion. And you shall consecrate the breast of the wave offering that is waved and the thigh of the priest's portion that is contributed from the ram of ordination, from what was Aaron's and his sons. It shall be for Aaron and his sons as a perpetual due from the people of Israel, for it is a contribution. It shall be a contribution from the people of Israel, from their peace offerings, their contribution to the Lord. The holy garments of Aaron shall be for his sons after him. They shall be anointed in them and ordained in them. The son who succeeds him as priest, who comes into the tent of meeting to minister in the holy place, shall wear them seven days. You shall take the ram of ordination and boil its flesh in a holy place. And Aaron and his sons shall eat the flesh of the ram and the bread that is in the basket in the entrance of the tent of meeting. They shall eat those things with which atonement was made at their ordination and consecration, but an outsider shall not eat of them because they are holy. And if any of the flesh for the ordination or of the bread remain until the morning, then you shall burn the remainder with fire. It shall not be eaten because it is holy. Thus you shall do to Aaron and to his sons according to all that I have commanded you. Through seven days you shall ordain them, and every day you shall offer a bull as a sin offering for atonement. Also you shall purify the altar when you make atonement for it and shall anoint it to consecrate it. Seven days you shall make atonement for the altar and consecrate it, and the altars shall be most holy. Whatever touches the altar shall become holy. Now this is what you shall offer on the altar, two lambs a year old, day by day regularly. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. And with the first lamb a tenth measure of fine flour mingled with a fourth of a hen of beaten oil, and a fourth of a hen of wine for a drink offering. The other lamb you shall offer at twilight, and shall offer it with a grain offering and its drink offering, as in the morning, for a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. It shall be a regular burnt offering throughout your generations at the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet with you to speak to you there. There I will meet with the people of Israel, and it shall be sanctified by my glory. 
I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar. Aaron also and his sons I will consecrate to serve me as priests. I will dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Chapter 30 The Altar of Incense You shall make an altar on which to burn incense. You shall make it of acacia wood. A cubit shall be its length, and a cubit its breadth. It shall be square, and two cubits shall be its height. Its horns shall be of one piece with it. You shall overlay it with pure gold, its top and around its sides and its horns. And you shall make a molding of gold around it, and you shall make two golden rings for it. Under its molding, on two opposite sides of it, you shall make them, and they shall be holders for poles with which to carry it. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold, and you shall put it in front of the veil that is above the ark of the testimony, in front of the mercy seat that is above the testimony, where I will meet with you. And Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it. Every morning when he dresses the lamps, he shall burn it. And when Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he shall burn it, a regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer unauthorized incense on it, or a burnt offering, or a grain offering, and you shall not pour a drink offering on it. Aaron shall make atonement on its horns once a year. With the blood of the sin offering of atonement, he shall make atonement for it once in the year throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. So let's take a few moments to reflect upon what it means to be consecrated ordained for the service of the Lord. And in whose service are you? We have been learning that the tabernacle and its services are all designed according to the pattern that the Lord gave to Moses on Mount Sinai. Every detail suggested a divine fact, an eternally relevant reality, or a divine force, something of God's all-important activity on behalf of mankind. The tabernacle, the priesthood, the sacrifices, and the ceremonies all spoke of God's glory that would be displayed fully in the person of Christ. The Apostle John hints at this by writing in the prologue of his gospel, And the Word became flesh, and dwelled, literally tabernacled, among us. And we saw his glory, the glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. In John chapter 1, verse 14. Just as the sacrifices of animal substitutes could not in themselves put away sin, neither could any ceremony truly sanctify or consecrate anyone to be fit for the service of God. These sacrifices and ceremonies were divinely designed placeholders, foreshadowing the person and work of the Messiah, the prophesied anointed king, prophet, and priest, who would put away sin by his perfect sacrifice on the cross. Only by his powerful work on behalf of those who believe could people become sanctified and ultimately made holy, that is, glorified. So as we read this great chapter describing the consecration ceremony of Aaron as high priest in Exodus 29, and it's implemented in Leviticus chapter 8, we must look beyond the shadows of the Old Testament types to the substance of the New Testament reality. 
We read about this in Hebrews chapter 8, verses 4 to 5, and Colossians chapter 2, verse 17. The ministry of our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. We must also look beyond the consecration of Aaron's sons and see that it points to the consecration of Christ's followers who are called and chosen to be priests unto God. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, and 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. In the tabernacle, we see the glory or the perfection of his cross in the brazen altar, the glory of his word in the brazen laver, the glory of his provisions for his people in the table of showbread, the glory of his revelation in the lampstand, according to Psalm 36, 9, the glory of his perfect worship and intercession on our behalf in the altar of incense, and the glory of his perfect mediation in the blood on the mercy seat in the holiest of all. The word consecration literally means, quote, to belong to the sacred, end quote. The act of consecration was one in which a person or thing was wholly set apart, dedicated or devoted for the worship and service of God. One who is consecrated belongs wholly to the Lord. The first thing we notice is who is to be consecrated. The priests are to be, number one, called and chosen. You did not choose to be consecrated. You had to be called and chosen. First, many were called. The entire nation of Israel was called to be priests in Exodus chapter 19, verse 6. That calling was later limited to the tribe of Levi due to the disobedience of the other tribes who sided with the worshippers of the golden calf rather than serving the living God with their obedience. Then, by God's sovereign decree, only those who were born into the family of Aaron were chosen to be consecrated as priests. Many are called, few are chosen. It is a picture of how we must first be born again of the Holy Spirit and born into the family of God by trusting Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior in order to be priests. Notice that the consecration ceremony starts at the entrance gate where the brazen altar is in view, front and center. Consecration is only by and through the cross of Christ, where he offered himself up to God to put away our old life in Adam and give us a new life in him. Everything about the consecration ceremony displays all that Jesus has done and all that he is that we might be able to live with him and serve with him. Number two, the priests are to be presented at the door of the tabernacle. Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. We read this in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. You were dead. You were crucified with Christ. Now you are alive from the dead. You are alive to be set apart as belonging to the Lord. You do not live unto yourself or to please yourself, but you are to live unto God and for His pleasure. Jesus, our great high priest, presented Himself to God and made Himself available to God by the eternal Spirit, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, to live a perfect life in our stead and then pour it out, signified by his shed blood, that we could be redeemed. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Number three, the priest was to be washed with pure water, cleansed and renewed by God's Word. 
Throughout the scriptures, we learn of how important it is to be clean before the Lord and how the Word sanctifies us. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus answered, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In John chapter 15, verse 3, Jesus says, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. In John 17, verse 17, Jesus says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Romans 12, verse 2 reads, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So not only must the priest be washed with pure water and cleansed by God's word, but fourthly, the priest is to be clothed with sacred garments. We appear before God in the clothing of another. The undercoat of linen, speaking of purity, the robe, speaking of heavenly life, the ephod, speaking of righteousness, the breastplate, speaking of wisdom and compassion, the woven band, the turban with the golden medallion with the inscription, Holy to the Lord, were placed on Aaron, and then his head was anointed with oil. Next, the sons of Aaron were clothed. Their costumes were similar, but without some of the distinctive ornaments that were particular to the attire of the high priest. Notice that the priests are not told to wear shoes. Perhaps this is because they, like Moses, were to take off their shoes, knowing they were standing on holy ground. The feet of the priest need to be exposed as the blood of the sacrifice would be applied to their right big toes. Fifthly, the priests were to be marked with the blood, a sign of ownership put upon them. Special offerings were then made on their behalf, a young bull and two rams, and loaves of bread, thin cakes mixed with olive oil, wafers spread with oil. The young bull was to be a sin offering. The priests, like all people of Israel, needed to have sin put away. It signified Christ's perfect sacrifice for the putting away of sin. The first ram was a burnt offering that spoke of Christ's complete devotion, providing complete satisfaction to the Lord. We'll learn more about these sacrifices when we read the book of Leviticus. The second ram became the ram of consecration. This sacrifice speaks of Christ being set apart for us. In John 17, verse 19, For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. The blood from the ram of consecration is applied to the right ear, right thumb, and right toe of the priest as a mark of their having been redeemed from the slave market of sin through the love of Christ who purchased them by his blood. Number six, their hearts were to be touched. The priest consecrates himself to God as a response to his love. In 2 Corinthians 5.14, For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Not only does the priest consecrate himself to God as a response to his love, but also a response to his mercy in Romans 12.1. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, 
to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Also, as a response to his ownership rights, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? You have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. Or 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 to 19, Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. The blood has been applied to the ear. This speaks of consecrated obedience. To the thumb, which speaks of consecrated service. And to the toe, speaking of a consecrated walk. Because we have a blood-stained ear, a mark that we have been purchased at the highest price, we are now in the service of our Master, and we only have ears for His commands. Because we have blood-stained thumbs, our hands are set aside for doing His works. Because of the guiding toe of our feet being marked with blood, we will walk only in His direction. Notice that the anointing of the ear, thumb, and toe of the priest with blood must come before the anointing of those parts of the body with oil. First comes the cross, then comes the Spirit. Number seven, their hearts were to be filled. The Hebrew meaning of the word consecration is to have one's hands filled. The fat and the right thigh of the ram of consecration, together with one cake of bread, another cake mixed with oil, and one wafer of unleavened bread, is put into the hands of the priest. It is a true picture of consecration. The hands of the priest are so full of what has been placed there by divine ordination that he can pick up nothing else. As we read through the ceremonial law, we read that these parts of the animal sacrifices all have special meaning. The fat speaks of the excellent that pleases the Lord. The thigh speaks of strength. The breast speaks of affection. The bread speaks of that which nourished and is indispensable to our survival, the staff of life. Wafers speak of the sensitivity of the Lord's humanity. Then the breast and the thigh are waved before the Lord. Something waved before the Lord indicates that it was representing all that was to come. Number 8. We get to feast when we serve. The service of the priest would be strenuous as he would be on his feet all day, but there was the reward of being able to partake of what they were serving the Lord. Now let's look at the altar of incense. In chapter 30, verses 1 to 10. Today we read of the altar of incense. This represents Christ's ministry of perfect worship on our behalf, as well as His perfect intercession. As Jesus prays in Gethsemane, in Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 46, He is praying a high priestly prayer in John 17. And now we will be reading from the New Testament the scenes leading up to Jesus' death by crucifixion. Matthew chapter 26, starting with verse 14. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him thirty pieces of silver. And from that moment he sought an opportunity to betray him. 
Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful, and began to say to him, one after the other, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So, leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. 
In Matthew chapter 26, we see how the events leading up to Jesus' death by crucifixion are escalating. Judas goes to the chief priests and agrees to turn him over to them for 30 pieces of silver. This was the amount paid in compensation for a slave who was gored to death by an ox in Exodus chapter 21, verse 32. It was also the average compensation for four months of labor, an amount of much less worth than that of an alabaster box and ointment that Mary spent upon the Lord in the previous incident in Matthew chapter 26, verses 6 to 13. Jesus celebrates the Passover with his disciples in verses 17 to 25. We have seen how Jesus fulfills the meaning of all the spring feasts in his first coming, that is, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Passover, and the Feast of Firstfruits. He would first declare the meaning of the Passover as he offers the bread, announcing it as a symbol of his body, and the cup as a symbol of his shed blood. He then demonstrates the Passover as he breaks the bread. He is to be crucified as the Passover lamb, and God will tear the veil of the temple from top to bottom to provide our free access to God. Notice the disciples' false confidence. We all shudder when we read Peter's boasting, when he says, Even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away, in Matthew 26, 33. But let us remember that all the disciples made the same claim, in verse 35, and all of them forsook Jesus at the cross. This reminds us that the heart is deceitful above all things and incurably wicked, in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. The mercies shown to Peter and the disciples should encourage us with hope. In verses 36 to 46, we read of the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane means olive press. Here is where we see Jesus agonizing in prayer with the full fury of hell at work to prevent him from going to the cross. He experiences the very human dread of suffering, yet surrenders to the purpose for which he came in full consecration to the Father's will. John 17 gives us an insight into Jesus' prayer for the church, how Jesus longed for the companionship and participation of his friends, the disciples, at this time. Jesus knew the reality of men without his life in the face of temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. They lacked the spiritual understanding even to recognize what was happening at the moment. In Matthew 26, verse 45, he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Let us not be found sleeping when we need to be alert and participating in fellowship with our Lord. And now for today's reading from the book of Psalms. We're continuing with Psalm 31, verses 19 to 24. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. In the cover of your presence you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me. When I was in a besieged city, I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight. But you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong 
and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. This psalm is full of some important reminders. Sometimes we are tempted to push the panic button. We speak too hastily. The psalmist did this to his great regret. He thought that the Lord was not listening to his prayers. He spoke too soon. Has this ever happened to you? In verse 22, he expresses his dismay. I said in my alarm, I am cut off from before your eyes. And then he realizes his mistake, saying, Nevertheless, you heard my voice of supplications when I cried to you. God is faithful. And we conclude our readings today with Proverbs chapter 8, beginning with verse 14. We see how wisdom is personified and is speaking. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me princes rule and nobles all who govern justly. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me, and filling their treasuries. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of His work, the first of His acts of old. Ages ago I was set up, at the first, before the beginning of the earth, before He had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world. When there were no depths, I was brought forth, when there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth, before He had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world. Wisdom is being personified as an eternal divine attribute, exhibited from the beginning of time-space history. The wisdom of God is essential for leadership, for executing justice, and for prosperity in righteousness. Let's pray. Lord, our desire is to be totally consecrated to you as believer priests. We commit our hearing, our works, and our walk to you. Not our will, but your will be done. We esteem your word and your ways above all else. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining with us today. I want to remind you that if you've subscribed to our written commentary, we will be attaching to that excerpts from Operation World Prayer Guide. And this should inspire us to stay informed and to pray for the church around the world, especially those that are persecuted and for missionaries. And we like to pray for every nation on the planet each year. God bless you.